I'm an American. Yeah. American civilian. This is a conspiracy. Rudy's revelation. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. It is February 26, 2024. Now, although um, uh, it is Monday, so it's time for the Sunday review of the mainstream media, which I do every Monday. Um, Although House Speaker Mike Johnson has said that the Senate's border bill is dead on arrival, CBS Face the Nation had Representatives Brian Fitzpatrick and Jared Golden on to say they have a bipartisan bill that they have tried to expedite in the House. Now, I was going to feature this segment from Face the Nation, but I decided not to um, because we don't know what's happening with the bill. It's a scaled-down version of the bill. It's not a loan as Fitzpatrick states it, um, to Ukraine and Israel. It's scaled down to lethal aid only, but it does include, as Lindsey Graham said last week, it had some aspects, uh, stay in Mexico, uh, remain in Mexico policy, Title 42. It has some other things for the border that could pass the House. So there are what they're trying to do is craft a new version of the Senate bill that will give aid to Ukraine, Most people don't want to give any more aid to Ukraine. But I do have a segment from CBS uh, Sunday Morning, a propaganda piece, where it's a profile on United Auto Workers, President Sean Fain, uh, a globalist plant that is there to organize for the left. Now, you might not understand this, but the fact is is that um, leftist organizations, perceived liberal organizations, whether it's environmentalism or the unions, have been hijacked and have been hijacked long ago. And I just want to say that I am, in fact, um, I am, in fact, or was a, a, rep- a union representative. I was the head of my union where I worked in journalism, and unions have a tendency to go around and, and, and stab you in the back. So I just want to make that clear that unions are big corporations that are supposed to be fighting against corporations, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they, they're able to muster and sometimes they aren't. But what I want to make clear is that it's different from collective bargaining, which is the wedge and the bulwark against corporate power against their employees. So I just wanted to make that perfectly clear. So I'm going to tear into the Sunday New York Times now showing how the newspaper continually mischaracterizes the facts uh, to mislead the public. So I'm going to start off here with uh, the news we already know from the New York Times, which is South Carolina primary. Trump defeats Haley, delivering a crushing blow in her home state. The former president is barreling towards the Republican nomination with a sweep of early states. But Nikki Haley said she was determined to fight on. Now, I want to start off with this news because this news is obviously the news we have to be paying attention to. And um, we do have to be paying attention to it because, um, hold on one second here. We do have to be paying attention to that 
<sighs> because, um, well, because that is the news of the day. And if you didn't know, Donald Trump secured tw- double the amount of the record vote for primaries in the state of South Carolina. So yeah, let's just <laughs> let's just move on a little bit. I have to, uh, you know, I'm still not together with this. Um, and why I don't seem to be streaming here. So I'm trying to kind of figure it out. Seems to be streaming, but we're just going to roll with it anyway. I'll have to repost if that's uh, not the case. Now what's happening? All right, moving along um, in the news here. Uh, Pro-Trump internet trolls escalate ugly attacks on Nikki Haley. For most of the campaign, Ms. Haley was spared the full force of the former President Donald Trump's devoted online following no longer... Um, we have to realize here is that, of course, Donald Trump has more support than any other presidential candidate, and his um, his campaign and his following is unprecedented in political campaigns. So you have to make that perfectly clear. And so he has a lot of support and a lot of online support. And as I stated previously, and we stated on and on again, is that the left can't meme, and so the. Uh, the people that go up against Trump uh, suffer withering attacks from online folks, uh, and, and they're great mean makers, and it's very funny. Um, and it's not mean, and it's they try to say that, oh, they're sexist, misogynistic, the like racist, and that's just really not the case. And moving on with this article here, the tide against Ms. Haley began soon after the Iowa caucuses when it became clear that she, not DeSantis, Represented Mr. Trump's strongest challenger, not really strongest, not much of a challenger at all. At first, the uh, the content focused on her foreign policy stance, accusing her of being a warmonger. Um, not surprising at all, because she is a warmonger. She is in the pockets of the military-industrial complex. Ms. Haley's use of social media trends to be fairly traditional and scripted, has, <laughs> as does that of her team, focusing on promoting events, policy, and news media appearances. Unlike Trump, she does not seem to have the wide base of deeply loyal and highly online messengers. And an attempt by her campaign to make anti-Trump mean several weeks ago was roundly mocked. Now, why would that be? Uh, because the left can't meme. Because memeing is a rare quality that was invented at, at the onset of um, the online universe, the web. And people were able to uh, actually be very comedic in pointing out the obvious. The problem is, is if you're perpetuating the narrative and propaganda, you can't depict the obvious uh, with a comedic or some sort of um, humorous stance that that you can't, you certainly can't uh, employ satire uh, if you're trying to hide something is which basically what 
um, the folks on the left do is they're trying to hide narratives all the time. And you can't do that with memes. Memes is pointing out the obvious. It's satirical um, and it's humorous by pointing out the obvious, which other people are trying to obfuscate. So moving on with the headlines here in the New York Times, suspect is arrested in killing a woman on University of Georgia campus. The woman who the police said was apparently not known to the suspect was a nursing student at Augusta University who had previously attended University of Georgia. And I'm just pointing out the obvious here as well is that they don't name the suspect as being a legal immigrant to the fourth or fifth paragraph. Here in the fourth or fifth paragraph, the fourth paragraph states, the charges against Mr. Abera include murder, aggravated assault, false imprisonment, kidnapping, hindering a 911 call, and concealing the death of another, the chief says. He said that while Mr. Ibera lives in Athens, he is not a citizen of the United States. Big surprise there, right? That this guy is an illegal immigrant and apparently he crossed into the United States and Texas. We don't know exactly when, but apparently he was um, arrested for I believe aggravated assault and some other charges in New York City and what happened in New York City, he was let go. So the guy fled the state to commit a murder somewhere else where you see the level of uh, recidivism here with illegal immigrants is not really surprising. And uh, apparently he's from Venezuela, I believe, or Honduras. Venezuela, And if you didn't know, Venezuela emptied a lot of their prisons and insane asylums and told them to get out, you have this chance to get out of the country, and they did, and they headed toward the United States. The Biden accuser, a Biden accuser was discredited. Right-wing media is undeterred. Revelations that Alexander Smirnov, an FBI informant, was a serial fabulist who downplayed on air and online by those who continue to insist the president should be impeached. Everybody knows the problem. Everybody on the right, right-wing media, if you consider this right-wing media, insists is that we're not sure of two things, that he met with officials of Burisma who were part of Russian intelligence. How do we know that? We don't know that for sure. We just know that by the Justice Department and that whether he lied about knowing about the bribes that went to the Bidens to cover up the investigations of corruption into Burisma. Because the investigation into corruption in Burisma was looking into his son Hunter and that guy, the prosecutor, was fired by Mr. Biden and because he even threatened from Mr. Biden by Vice President Biden threatened to withhold Funding, a billion dollars worth of funding to Ukraine from the United States if he wasn't fired. So we know that much. And they try to put him as the hinge or that he is the keystone or the cornerstone, I should say, of the Republicans in the House for their prosecution of the impeachment of Joseph Biden when he's not the cornerstone. He's a piece of the puzzle, and that the other uh, question here, obviously, is 
the fact that um, the Biden accuser, uh, this FBI, well-known FBI, well-regarded FBI informant, um, said that he learned about the uh, Biden bribery in 2017 when the bribery supposedly occurred between 2015 and 2016 when Hunter was on the board. What we know here is, is that you can learn about something after it happens. You know, it wasn't like he was there witnessing it as it happened. So those are the two problems with this. But they go on to say, the conservative media world reacted with different and sharply defiant narrative in this world view. News of Mr. Smirnoff's deceptions were merely part of a conspiracy to protect Mr. Biden at all costs. It after all was the administration's DOJ who brought the charges. It wasn't a bipartisan or some independent counsel. They said he had ties to Russian intelligence. Where did they get that from? Mr. Waters, talking about Jesse Waters on Fox News, told his primetime audience, noting that Mr. Smirnoff had previously been considered credible by the FBI. They just gave the media and the Democrats permission to call the Ukraine bribes and the Biden impeachment Russian disinformation for the rest of the year. Miranda Devine, a columnist for the New York Post, dismissed Mr. Smirnoff as a straw man and said the evidence against Mr. Biden remained overwhelming. Indeed, it did. Moving on to other headlines, fact-checking Trump and Haley's war of words. Nikki Haley and her one-time boss, former President Donald Trump, have used false and misleading claims about the polls and tax proposals while exchanging jabs on the campaign trail. If you haven't seen the New York Times articles on fact-checking Donald Trump, they go down the list all the time, and what do they do? Here's what was said with Haley. Every poll shows that he can't beat Biden. And the New York Times called it false because it's not false. National general election polls do show a tight race in the potential Trump-Biden rematch. It's not really tight, but it is false that Trump can't beat Biden. But the main point I want to bring up here is that what the New York Times always does is that what was said, Nikki Haley wants to charge the working class a 23% national sales tax. Trump said during a rally and when they always ch- uh, check Trump's statements, it, they always said, it's always, if it's there, they immediately, you know, the reader will call it false, but the New York Times calls it misleading. It's misleading, which doesn't mean it's false. It just means it's misleading. So you can't do a, f- why, if you're doing a fact check, why don't you just find the stuff that's a lie? But they don't do that. They pick stuff out and go, well, there's some gray area. It's kind of misleading. That's just a bunch of bullshit. I spent a week rescuing food from the trash. Here's what I ate, says this columnist at the New York Times. They're trying to get you to, oh, it's okay to eat out of the trash. I mean, come on. Come on. Farmers clash with police and Macron at Paris Agricultural Fair at an annual show where the French countryside comes to the capital. President Emmanuel Macron's efforts to calm a month-long confrontation were met with anger. Indeed, at an issue... At issue are what farmers say are sharply rising costs, unfair competition from imports allowed 
into from Europe, from other countries able to produce food more cheaply, and especially European Union regulations intended to contain or reverse climate change. Farmers say European targets are imposing suffocating administrative and financial burdens onto the taxes, or onto the farmers, I should say. And that's happening everywhere. Um, it was forestalled here in the United States because by, uh, excuse me, Biden, Trump gave the farmers sub, uh, reinstituted their subsidies, mainly taken from large uh, tariffs put on the Chinese. Other headlines, abortion shield laws, a new war between states, doctors in six states where abortion is legal are using new laws to send abortion pills to tens of thousands of women in states where it is illegal. So whether it's by hook or by crook, it's illegal. So if you're sending, and the states made it clear that abortion pills are illegal. So there's states that are skirting the laws of a state's democratically decided that they're not allowed to have abortions in. And it says it right here. In this article by Pam Bullock, behind an unmarked door in a boxy brick building in outside of Boston, a quiet rebellion is taking place. Here in a 7 by 12 foot room, abortion is being made available to thousands of women in states where it's illegal. It's illegal. So they're illegally sending prescription drugs to, to end pregnancies in those states. The patients do not have to travel here to terminate their pregnancies, and they do not have to wait weeks to receive a more, uh, abortion medication from overseas. Instead, they are obtaining abortion pills prescribed by licensed Massachusetts providers. So there you go. They're uh, skirting the laws of states that voted to ban abortion, which is different than what the mainstream media says is a national abortion ban, which was never proposed. A restriction is different than a ban. A ban is, and states have banned abortions where they're not allowed for, for most intents and purpose are not allowed to get medical abortions or abortions by pills. And so before I go into the next um, thing here, I just wanted to revisit this Face the Nation. I didn't do, I didn't, I'm not going to feature a segment from this. Representatives Brian Fitzpatrick and Jared Golden are trying to cobble together a bill that would pass the House that um, pairs down the funding for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan to lethal aid only. And Trump suggested it was supposed to be a loan. I don't know if they said that here. And then they're including border provisions as security, which is remain in Mexico, hopefully Title 42 again, I'm not really sure, but uh, moving the asylum, asylum seekers back into Mexico and so trying to strengthen the border this way, but I didn't feature it because it's, again, it, it's, it's a red herring. Um, what the House wants is stronger border, period. It doesn't have to be linked to aid in Ukraine. He's trying to, in this segment, he tries to convince you that people in the House want to aid Ukraine. Most of the electorate don't care about that. We already gave them hundreds of billions of dollars. We're not going to have an open-ended war against a superpower with nuclear weapons like we did in Vietnam and have an open-ended war in a proxy country in Ukraine for what? 
20, 30, 50, 100 years, sending $100 billion a year, every year we don't have that, so. So, but then I'm gonna get into this um, profile of uh, Sean Fain, which is eerily similar to the name Sinn Fein, which is Irish Republican, now a Democratic Socialist organization. But I just wanted to say that you shouldn't be convinced. Look, unions are good. Collective bargaining is great against, it's the only wedge you have against corporate power if you're working for a corporation. Um, but they'll fight you by hook or crook. And I'm telling you, unions are corrupt. If unions are supporting the TPP, which is a trade legislation that's going to allow the United States to ship more manufacturing overseas, you have to look at Trump. Trump was fighting for a better life for manufacturers here. That's why they started opening up these uh, auto working plants in the first place. The manufacturing came back to the United States because of Trump's trade policies are more effective than unions at getting you to get jobs, keep your jobs, and get jobs at higher pay. And if you want jobs at higher pay, you have to keep out the illegal immigrants because they could work at auto plants too. And they'll undercut your wage. And so I do believe in collective bargaining. And in some instances, if you could get a contract, but a lot of times the unions make backdoor deals behind your back. And I was a union rep. I wasn't a union rep, but I was chair by unit. They work behind your back to not get you what you need and what you want, and, and they don't help you. And it's hard to organize, and it's hard to put it through because there are other forces working against you. I'm not going to get into a, a whole diatribe on this. I should, though. I should get into <laughs> I should get into a diatribe about this because it's important. Don't forget the act of collective bargaining. You don't need a union. The best thing about unions is they supply lawyers, which is the best. That's what's good about unions. Unions supply lawyers. And that's what you need them for because you can't afford to get unions. Uh, you, you can't afford to get lawyers to be able to draft contracts and stuff. So not saying unions are bad, but don't forget unions is social organizing. It's, it's getting everybody together to push one cause, which is collectivism. It's just collective bargaining is what you're talking about, which I'm not against, because the only way you're going to fight against corporate power is to get all the employees to push for better wages, et cetera, job protection and the like. I mean, it's important, but you got to make, you got to understand that organizations of man tend to be corrupt and unions are corrupt. And this guy, I think, is a globalist plant. He's going to give you some, uh, he's going to give you some wage gain while they're going to try to go back to globalist policies of shipping manufacturing over overseas. Because what got the companies to move manufacturing overseas was the bloated compensation and particularly pensions of union workers. So it's the same thing. It's why do your taxes so high in your municipality because your firemen and your policemen have uh, pensions that can't be funded. It's unfunded liability. 
And so it's it's economics and you really have to understand it before you throw in wholeheartedly um throw in wholeheartedly behind unions. So let's look at the um the clip, the segment from the propaganda CBS Sunday morning. <laughs> What do they call unions? Con- <laughs> they call them communists. They call them communists? communists. Yes. Robert Costa catches up with UAW leader Sean Fame. President Joe Biden paid a visit to the critical battleground state of Michigan. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. He came to Detroit, Motor City, to court union voters. Treason. You know what the hell is going to happen if this man's not president because we've seen what happened. You all are the ones that brung me to the dance. What? And he wants to ramp up his fight, not just with auto companies, but with corporate leaders nationwide over unions and workers' rights. Are you with him? Absolutely positively. Look, I don't have anything against corporations. Come on, man. Don Fain the standard bearer for the labor movement's comeback in 2023. This is what happens when workers get power. When the workers got this union back, they were able to elect their top leadership for the first time in history. Then we saw massive change in a short amount of time. Unions! And within months, he led shutdowns on assembly lines at Ford, GM, and Chrysler Jeep parent company Stellantis. It was important to us to be, you know, open and transparent with the membership. Not just in bargaining, but just in everything we're doing. I went on unemployment a few times and dealt with that system. When my first daughter was born, we were getting WIC. We were getting formula and diapers. It was a humbling experience. But experiences like that, they laid a groundwork for me. Last year's labor protests were like a dam bursting. Stand up! From 2021 to 2023, average auto worker pay has fallen nearly 20% from pre-recession levels. What? Unions don't run the kind of campaigns that force employers to come to the table and bargain with them because the cost of not bargaining with them is greater than the cost of bargaining with them. They aren't going to be able to build their power and organize more workers. Workers aren't stupid. They know that the companies weren't going to give them that bump and that we're living in a time where corporations are taking too much. And you wear t-shirts at times that say, eat the rich. (laughs) I don't think billionaires should exist. And it's not because people are lazy or don't want to work. The billionaires that keep amassing more and more wealth so they can build rocket ships and do whatever the hell they want to do, that does nothing for humanity. What? Your critics say that's class warfare. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, class warfare has been going on in this country for the last 40 years. The billionaire class has been taking everything and leaving the working class with nothing. After the UAW's recent victories, non-union automakers, including Honda, Toyota, Hyundai, and VW, offered raises too. I respect the work you're doing, man. Oh, thanks, man. But the extra pay came without the union's benefits or job protections. They respect workers' democratic right to determine who should represent their interests. The unions... But Volkswagen worker Sean Lawler says skepticism of the UAW runs deep in the community. How does your family see unions? They don't they don't see it as, as a good good opportunity. They see layoffs. What do they call unions? Con- <laughs> they call them communists. They call them communists? communists? Yes. Unless your eyes are just closed and your ears and you just don't hear anything. Then you you realize that we do need a union. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. 
The UAW now says a union vote in Chattanooga is approaching. It will be another defining moment for Sean Fain. You know, organized labor led the way for the American dream. And that's fallen by the wayside over the last 40 years. What do they call unions? <laughs> they call them communists. They call them communists? Yes. Well, there it is. It was basically a campaign ad for Joe Biden because Joe Biden got the backing. And this is what I never understood uh, when I talked to my union reps um, about why they were backing Hillary Clinton in 2016. They couldn't give me a straight answer. I go, Hillary Clinton supports TPP. And wouldn't shipping more jobs overseas to Asia, wouldn't that hurt workers? Of course it does. And so this was a, a campaign ad uh, in the segment that was reported on by the CIA asset, Bob Costa, who goes in there and is selling collectivism. Um, but most of these unions have been infiltrated by corporatists anyway, um, and they cut deals. And sure, they're gonna get you some, uh, some wage gain up front, and I'm all for collective bargaining against cor as a tool against for workers to bargain against corporations. I'm not against that. Um, but unions do take wages and they do, they'll do supply you with lawyers. But my problem here is this is a campaign ad for Joe Biden. And so you're he, they're trying to, um, to link any gains made by UAW with their new leader, which was put in there to make gains and the corporations agreed to make gains, to give gains to their employers and actually wages increased across the board as long as leftism was pushed and it was pushed towards Joe Biden and Joe Biden is the corporate candidate. So you can see what's happening here. They try to paint this guy, uh, Sean Fain, as some sort of knight against the corporations and, you know, if he's getting more for his workers, you know, I'm all for that, but I don't believe in unions are necessarily the answer because why would you support a candidate that's for TPP? Um, and he doesn't say it yet, but he's supporting globalism and all the narratives that globalism pushes. All right, that's it for me. I went a little long today and I was, got the podcast up late, but thanks for joining me and I will See you tomorrow. Rooted revelation. You can't handle the truth. The new world order. The new world order. They cheat. 